Welcome to the GW Business of Sports podcast. We talk about sports, careers, mentors, leadership, and a lot more here. And we do the show from the Foggy Bottom Campus in Washington, D.C. I'm Mark Hyman, professor in the Business of Sports program at GW. My producer is Henry Levy. My guest is Zach Leonsis, Senior Vice President, Strategic Initiatives at Monumental Sports and Entertainment. In our conversation, Zach discussed the future of esports, the bet that Monumental is placing on arena football, and the special challenges and opportunities that go with working in a family business. Zach, thanks for coming to GW. Thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Well, we really appreciate you coming to campus and uh, sitting down to talk to us for the podcast. What do you read? What do I read? Hmm. I read a lot. Uh, A lot of it from my dad. My dad will read like the first layer of stuff and then he immediately will send it to me. And if it's coming from my dad, I know I have to read it because he might quiz me on it later. Not like a literal quiz. But he will ask about it. What did you think about that? Um, but I read a lot. I, I read a lot of Sports Business Journal. It's incredibly relevant, important in our industry. Synopsis. Uh, I lead. A, I read a lot of from Wired magazine. Um, Variety is a great publication that I really admire and and, and get a lot from. Um, and then it's amazing. I, I get so much of my news from Twitter. I become pretty mm-hmm. active on Twitter. Um, and you know, clicking on links and what people are posting—that that's typically where I'm getting a lot of interesting information. And then you get groups like Axios and whatnot that have more industry uh, data-oriented uh, publications too. I do like reading um, publications that are giving the latest insights on um, younger consumer behavior, um, trends in the cable industry. I love reading about you know what some of the bigger players are doing in M and A. I think that's an incredibly fascinating thing that it's indicative of, of strategies and whatnot. I mean, even big, high level um, things like you know Fox selling assets to um, to Disney. Um, well, what does that signal with Disney? Disney bought Bam Tech initially. How do all these things get together and starting to piece together? Um, strategies from the outside. I find that really instructive um, to find out well what are what are the biggest and brightest minds thinking and how can we apply that to our own business. Um, I also have been reading things that I never thought I'd be reading today. Um, <laughs> uh, gaming news and the like. I think that's becoming particularly relevant in our industry. Um, so I read a lot of things. I, I wish I read more uh, fiction. I, I have a pleasure reading, so to speak. <laughs> But I I really don't. I really haven't lately. It's been mostly news editorial, long-form magazine-based reading. Mm. How about individuals whose views on on the subjects that are important now with respect to business and sports? Ooh, individuals. Well, I just did this one-on-one with John O'Ran here at GW. John is definitely uh, bookmarked uh, (laughs) in in my browser individuals tougher to say i mean i trust the brands i mean you know like a variety i mentioned variety earlier variety really i think gets it in many regards and um oftentimes i'll read something and I, I i forget who the author is I, mm. I i know that's not a great answer to your question i wish i had a better one for you i think that's a perfectly fine answer actually uh 
I've just heard you speak um, to a larger GW audience about esports, and you mentioned that you had spent about two years yeah. learning about esports. And yeah. you said something that, that I thought was, was very interesting that I'd like to, to raise. You said that credibility and authenticity completely you, you learned are yeah, you know, really important. important in that space. What else did you learn about esports that you know really informs your thinking and and I think the thing that excites me personally the most about esports is how organically formulated the audience and the communities have become. Um, they were not fueled by corporate interest in trying to make a profit off of them. And as an operator, you need to respect that, that this is a community of fans and individuals who take pleasure in interacting with other um, community members around a central hobby, sport, love of the title of their choosing. And some people who are fans of this eSport game aren't a fan of that other eSport game. It's very different. It's the same way you might have a football fan but not a baseball fan. Um, it reminds me a bit of the organic community that I think um, has been built in the NHL and NBA. And um, certainly I see it when I go to a Washington Capitals game. Our, our, our games have been sold out for over a decade. We're incredibly appreciative to our fans. But season ticket members have been sitting next to the same season ticket member for a decade. And, and there's a community built and, 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 and baked in there, which is really special. Organic chants and, and people recalling, hey, remember when this guy was just a rookie? Now he's going to retire, right? Growing and living with the team. I think that's really something that is quite special. So that organic nature in esports, I think, is incredibly important and positions it well for long-term growth and stability. And you mentioned, um, and I've read, you talking about the fact that this is a digital space first before cable. Yes, and it's the first live, I would say the first live sports or event category where that's the case. Everyone has always thought that cable and linear television is the primary channel. Digital is complementary. That's where you put shoulder programming. That's where you put replays. Um, that's where you put highlights. Um, it's not the case, and and it, it it's it's not the case for esports because a lot of esports fans just don't subscribe to cable. Our director of esports um, is great. He's about twenty three years old, and he's never had a cable subscription and never will have a cable subscription. He has no interest in a cable subscription. Um, thinks it would be a hassle, and it would be a lot of programming that he just won't watch. Um, He's not always watching traditional sports. His first NHL game experience came after joining our company. We took him to the game, right? And, um, you know, I think when most people hear that, they go, really? Go, yes. And, and that's why esports is relevant and important, particularly from a sports and entertainment company um, trying to reach this new generation of fans that we might not otherwise have an opportunity to reach. So I'm curious your director of esports, when he applied for the job, or she applied for the job, what on the resume was uh, important and significant with respect Endemic to experience. Yeah. We did not want to hire, uh, we did not necessarily need to hire someone with sports business experience. We wanted someone who was endemic to the space, who understood the audience, understood what would work, um, could read players, understood how a gaming house um, operates, the, the pros and cons of that, understood how 
to manage and, and, and create practice schedules and, and what they call scrim blocks. Um, these guys practice an unbelievable amount. Uh, they, they, they really are athletes in that respect in that um, they might practice for 14 hours a day. Um, that's amazing. That's a long time. That's longer than some of our athletes. It's definitely longer than our athletes are playing their individual sports on a daily basis. And so managing that, um, managing a team and various personalities to make sure that chemistry is good and that everyone's getting along and playing in a team-oriented environment, um, that was obviously very, very important. In your view, will esports always be kind of a parallel Universe, or do you foresee a time when esports will be more, um, when, when traditional team sports will be competing for audience against esports? I think, in some respects, traditional sports are already competing with esports for audience, and you need, don't need to look too much further than you know some fans saying, "Well, I don't have cable, and I'd rather watch the League of Legends World Championships than the NBA Finals." Um, that's not something I, I think most people are used to hearing, but that is the case with a growing number of fans out there. Um, and that's why it's so important for leagues like the NBA to launch initiatives with Take-Two Interactive, they're launching the NBA 2K League. That's very, very important. It's introducing an eSport e basketball game to brand new audience. That, that's really fabulous uh, for the league. Um, I do believe that there's room for everyone, though. I, I think we're a growing population with different interests, and I, I'm not sure um, if if it's like totally a, a zero-sum game in that regard. I can be a fan of multiple leagues, multiple titles, multiple games, multiple teams. Um, all of that um, is good. And, and what I am sort of, um, I would say, um, feel good about is I, I do think that the in-game experience for traditional sports is really special. It's still hard for a lot of esports or, or traditional sports to fill an arena 41 times a year during the regular season, plus playoffs, plus preseason. Um, and the major four leagues are well positioned to do that, and particularly the NBA and NHL. I mean, the NBA is now competing with EPL teams in, in Europe um, in terms of digital following and fandom and they're, they've really grown in, into becoming international brands themselves um, and they're relevant and popular with an important audience, customers and fans that are under the age of 30 which means they're going to be fans for life hopefully and they'll be taking their kids too and so um, I, I do think traditional sports are still very well positioned. I think indoor sports are probably better positioned um, and I think there's plenty of room for esports to enter the genre as well. well. Speaking of indoor sports, Monumental has made a significant bet on arena football. I'd like to, to hear you speak about that. Why does arena football have a future worth investing in? It's a good question, and I understand you know, why there might be skepticism about it. Um, there's no doubt that the league has had um, some trial and tribulation in the past, and there have been some times when we've been able to invest and launch teams in the AFL, and we've passed. Um, but we actually feel like the timing is right um, for this league, uh, and that it could have huge potential. And the reason why we think that is because we're able to operate in the NBA and the NHL where there isn't a ton of flexibility in terms of what to change with gameplay and whatnot. Those are big, important assets for us. The Arena Football League and launching the Washington Valley and the Baltimore Brigade allow us a platform to experiment with new 
rules, new uh, way, uh, means of distribution, and it also could be a bleeding edge application for the potential regulation of gaming. When you think about the outdoor NFL game, uh, the outdoor game is typically you know, a two hour long viewing experience or more, um, but it's only about 12 minutes of actual action. Um, that seems to be counterintuitive to what younger audiences want to watch. Um, and the AFL game is accessible. You can meet the players. You go to a game, it feels like a party. Um, we can wire our players up with wearables to get advanced stats and, and collection. When sports are indoor, there's high, higher fidelity. There, there we have the ability to hang missile cameras and, and measure stats and data in real time. And then the game itself is exciting and high scoring. A lot of scores in the Arena Football League are, you know, 72 to 65. People like scoring. I think that's fun. And um, that leads to great gaming applications as well. Um, so we're going to experiment with, with the Arena Football League and making it a millennial and Gen Z oriented sport, live sporting product, um, distributing it on, on a variety of digital platforms, uh, potentially introducing new gaming tech uh, if and when that becomes regulated, um, and also changing up the rules. Uh, one of the rule changes that we're introducing this upcoming season is um, the games are going to be two hours, like running clock. Um, so you can be in and out. You can be in the arena at 7 p.m. and off and on to your night at 9 p.m. and still enjoy your, your Friday or, or, or Saturday evening. Um, we had these great VIP hospitality areas in either of the end zones where you could literally hang over the boards and slap players, high five. It was the Bud Light party zone. It was all you could eat, all you could drink. They were the hottest tickets of the summer. I swear we sold out every single game in those sections. They were awesome. Um, and so every person that we bring to an arena football league game, the, the reaction is always, oh my gosh, I had no idea this was so fun. I would definitely come back. I've never brought someone to a game and said, oh, that kind of sucked. Um, that's really refreshing. When you walk into our building, we average 10,000 fans a game. Um, you go, there is something here. And, and, and so it really is our belief that um, the arena football league is a bit of a fallen angel. It's an uh, overgrown beachfront property, um, and if we're willing to do the work, we could potentially clean it uh, and save it, and we think that's a worthwhile project. A lot of organizations talk about taking on risk, taking risk. Um, not, you know, sometimes organizations don't actually do it. In this sense, I think we are taking on risk, and we're excited about it, um, and it's a lot of fun, and um, we're bullish on hopefully it, it, it turning into something really big and relevant that where we add markets um, and it becomes a great family-friendly option in the summer. So let's pivot a bit for one or two questions about Zach Leonsis. Okay. So I, I think most of us can relate to working in a family business. Not many of us can relate to working for a company like Monumental. Um, but this idea of, of working with your with family members, in your case, your dad, um, I, I think is more familiar. W what are the challenges that you've encountered? Um, you know, working in in your hometown, in you know close proximity to your dad. How is that challenging? If it is. Uh, it's a good question. I, I'm very lucky in that um, my dad and I are best friends. I am. 
thrilled to be the Robin to his Batman in, in many respects. Um, but of course, you know, I, I want to hopefully create my own identity, my own, my own career, and I'm, I'm hopefully working towards that too. That is obviously important to me. Um, I remember when I was probably a, a young teenager, uh, my dad had asked me, you know, what do you think you want to go to college? Well, what do you want to do after you graduate? And I remember I talked about, well, maybe I'd want to go to New York or maybe I want to work at a bank or something like that. And I remember him looking at me and going, you don't want to work for the teams? This is the greatest thing ever. And I, I remember seeing that look in my dad's face. And I said, of course I want to work for our teams. Um, that would be fabulous. And to be able to have the opportunity to work with my dad is a special experience that you know not everyone gets to enjoy. And so I'm very thankful and, and fortunate about that. My dad can be hard on me, though. I mean, I, I think that my dad um, definitely wants to be cognizant about um, treating me fairly, uh, just like anyone else. Um, and so he holds me to you know, a high level of expectation. But to be frank, I probably hold myself to a higher level of expectation. I think that there are probably more often times when my dad says, uh, you can take a break. Um, and that's good. That, that, I guess that's nice to hear. Um, but if anything, I, I would say it probably, you know, it's mostly me putting pressure on myself. I, I want to, I want to work hard. I want to prove my worth, um, and hopefully over time I, I can prove that in our organization. Nothing seems more, um, I would say, gratifying though, than working in a company where, I mean, I, I think we really feel like we want to be Washington D.C. in the Mid Atlantic's greatest cheerleader. Um, we, we understand that, that in some respects we hold a bit of the city and region's morale in our hands. When the team is winning, everyone's happy. When the team loses, people aren't so happy. We want people to be happy. We love our community. And so um, we want to be good actors. We want to be good neighbors. Um, we want to give back to our communities that we operate in. And then we want to build teams that um, can be generationally great. We want to win a championship one year, and we haven't been able to deliver on that, and that's our one regret, and we'll keep working to do that. And if and when it happens, if, I know, I mean, if it happens, I mean, I'll cry like a baby. It'll be the greatest day of my life. So We'll, we'll definitely look forward to yeah, that day. And, and I'll be happy to enjoy it with my dad, too. Great. Well, thanks so much for talking to me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for yeah. the time.